2: Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Everybody get 30, 30, you get 30, they get 20, 20, 20, you get 20, 20, you get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at slash switch.
2: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. rate for new customers for a limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
1: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too.
0: Corey, we're back. Here we are. Here we are. Um, last week we talked about the pillars and stepped through that kind of high level overview, and now we're ready to move on to the next topic: the variables. The variables.
1: Yeah. Um. <clears throat> I wonder if people. I've. All, I'm always curious because in our last podcast we really tried to just jump right into stuff, but I wonder if people are like, like, what kind of podcast is this where you don't spend like five minutes. Up front, like talking about nothing, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's just because we
0: are so awkward. We don't really know how to do the small talk part of a podcast.
1: That's valid. And I don't know that we ever really will. (laughs) So if you're into small talk stuff on podcasts, uh, maybe this one isn't for you, but anyway, yeah. If you're into small talk on
0: podcasts, I've got about 100,000 podcasts for you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. There's plenty of those out there. Uh, we're going to get right to the point. So Last week, we talked about considering the pillars, understanding what those um, basically load-bearing walls are of our structure, of our resilient structure. Um, but today, we're going on to that next step, which is considering the variables. And we've kind of alluded to this, right? We've We've talked about how everybody comes from a different place. But I think today, we're really going to try and nail home how important those variables are maybe what some of those variables are, um, break those out into some different categories um, and just discuss why it's important that we do internalize those, that we understand those thoroughly and take them into account as we decide um, where to focus our time and attention and resources.
0: Yeah. And I think although this is taking us time to kind of get through the initial steps of the framework and explain how this all works, I think it's well worth the time Because too often when people think about preparedness or resilience, they just see it as like a blanket approach. It's the same for everybody. And yet it's when you look at the pillars and how those relate to the variables that we're going to talk today about. And then you tie in like what specific risks come into play for you as an individual based on your situation. All of that is what should help you determine deliberate steps. Instead of just going with like, whatever you feel like trying to do, actually doing something that's going to make a difference and help
1: you reach your desired outcome. I think one of the most important things about this framework that maybe we haven't expressed super um, deeply is that what we're trying to get across is that you and I are not going to tell the listener exactly, precisely what they need to do step-by-step to become resilient. It's more the framework is self-guided, right? So that each person can figure out for themselves, they can follow each step, and then by the end of that, they can say, okay, now I have figured out for myself exactly what I need to do. Now I can go do it. It's going to look different for everybody. You and I would have to make 100 million variables or 100 million different podcasts personalized to each possible variation. Of, uh, of a person's circumstances, right? And that, that would not be possible. So we are saying that you as the listener, you have to take the responsibility into your own hands of deciphering who you are, what your variables are, you know, what pillars you need to focus on, the whole framework. And then at the end, um, after we've gone through the framework, that's when we'll step through the different pieces, some of which will be more pertinent to you because you've already figured that out, Right through the plan through the framework some of it will be less pertinent and so um we're just trying to say i guess the, the the important part here is the responsibility is on you the listener to look inwardly figure out your own situation and make your own plan and then we will help um through the steps of that plan yeah the the, the self assessment is so important and you can see why like
0: when we talk about the pillars for example food like every person on the planet needs food right um, but how you're going to get that food, um, what, what that's going to look like for you is going to be very different from one situation to another. And in fact, in order to kind of really kick off this conversation today, Corey, you and I have come up with just a few example like personas, right? So a, a couple of, we, we're just calling them person A, person B, and person C. And so as you're listening, think about how would preparedness
1: and resilience look different for each of these people. And um, to introduce two categories of variables, maybe to think about as we're going into this, we break it into two different things. So number one is variables that define what you're preparing for and then also how you prepare. They are two separate things, right? Some of the variables might overlap, but think about as we talk about these different personas, how this person might prepare and what they would prepare for.
0: Good. Good. So person A, imagine this person is a black woman in her mid-60s. She has some pretty significant health issues. She's retired and she has quite a bit of time, but she doesn't have much of a budget. Um, At this point, it's kind of a social security income. She lives in a suburban neighborhood in the Midwest, in the United States, um, affiliated with a local religious community. And growing up, uh, you know, she would visit her grandparents. They had a ranch. And so that kind of instilled in her, this like desire for self-sufficiency. And she, she understands the importance of resilience. Her kids are moved out, but live close by. She has multiple children, uh, multiple grandchildren, and what she's trying to do, her desired outcome is basically just to create the best situation for her kids and grandkids. So that's person A. Compare that, let's say, with person B. Person B, a 30-year-old white male who's healthy, um, has a very busy job, makes a lot of money, right, high income, but also has very little time, lives Uh, we decided in like downtown Houston, Texas, uh, very little community ties, like doesn't really even know who his neighbors are in his, in his apartment. Um, really his network is just people online and maybe coworkers. He's single, doesn't have any family to take care of, just has a dog and his desired outcome is you know, thinking about what's to come in the future and as things might deteriorate, like he just wants to have the highest level of comfort possible. So person a person B, anything you want to say before I move on? To nope, C? Keep going. You're you're doing great. Okay, great. So person C, this is a 45 year old female. She lives in the Philippines. Um, she has pretty good income for her area. they in the Philippines, uh, a moderate amount of time. And has extremely strong community ties like in her town or village. Everyone is really close knit. Um, she has a large family. Her children are teenagers and young adults at this point. Her husband isn't really on board with the whole resiliency preparedness thing and is worried about like how that might come off to the community. Uh, but her desired outcome is she just really wants to help her town or village or community thrive during any sort of disaster that comes their way. So person A, person B, person C, very different situations. And you might start to think about how their unique situations determine the ways that they should prepare and what they should be preparing for.
1: Yeah. And, and obviously we should, we should just state here that when I said there was like a hundred million different possibilities, right? These are three out of infinite number, um, of circumstances that someone could live in. The genders, areas that they're living, the income, the races, all these things that we kind of brought into it, random, right? Um, it's not like we're trying to stereotype any one person or any one situation because there isn't any one situation. It's an infinite number. So I just want to nail that home, but it's just to highlight that there are extremely contrasting situations that people live in. We tend to view the world from whatever perspective we see it from, right? Um, Kellen, you and I have our own unique place um, in these scenarios and our circumstances that certainly doesn't fit with any of those three. And we view the world from that perspective, what we've grown up in. Everybody does. And it's a little bit of a paradigm shift to, to consider the worldview the circumstances of other people right and how that affects how they would plan to become resilient so just thinking about those three that you mentioned and the idea of differing perspectives um, and paradigm shifts and all of that when we think of resiliency if I, if I if I were to go listen to a resilience podcast or a prep a prepping podcast right I'm thinking about all of it through my window. And I'm listening to what the person's saying and they're giving me instructions or directions, tips on on what I need to do. They might be laying it out and saying, you need to do this, 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 and this. This is the most important for everybody. And I I listen to that and I view that from my own circumstances and maybe I 100% agree, maybe I don't agree, but I can guarantee that what that person's saying doesn't apply to everybody. And so again, just to highlight the importance of doing this this uh, exercise for yourself, considering who are you, what area do you live in? how much time, how much income do you have? Start to piece this together about yourself um, and understand how that's going to change the way that you prepare. We are about to talk about what the different um, variables are. Obviously not all of them. There are tons of different variables you could consider, but we're going to talk about the ones that perhaps stand out the most that might affect most how you prepare and what you prepare for.
0: Yeah, so as you say that, Corey, I think the invitation for all of us is like to actually take the time to kind of list out your personal profile when it comes to all these different variables. Um, you talked about how sometimes when when you go to some other content around preparedness or resilience, maybe you're listening to like a podcast, a prepper podcast, And it becomes very prescriptive. Uh, Think about that in terms of these people that we've just, these, these fake people we've just outlined, person A, B, and C. If they all go listen to somebody who says, okay, here's the type of food that you need to have. And you need to have like three months worth of flour. Well, like depending on who you are and where you live, right, for, for, You know, the guy that's living like in downtown Houston, having three months worth of flour might not be the most useful thing. Uh, This lady living in the Philippines, maybe flour isn't like a key part of her normal diet, you know, or maybe this, this person saying like, you need to have uh, like two firearms and like, you've got to have X, Y, Z and is spelling out like a prescriptive plan That might be very helpful for person A, but not for person B. Again, all based on their situation. So I I can't even stress the importance enough of just determining first your desired outcome. And then as you're looking at all the things that you need to consider with with the pillars that we've talked about, now tying in the variables, it's going to be well worth it
1: as we move toward creating a specific, specific plan that is tailored to you. Very well said. Thank you for clarifying it. So, um, maybe let's dive into some of those variables. So, as I said, there were kind of two categories, right? We've got how we prepare and what we prepare for. Um, when we talk about how we prepare, these are the things in our lives that are going to change um, how specifically we are preparing. For example, the, the biggest two are time and disposable income, right? If I put it very, like, black and white or kind of bluntly like a person who has all the money but no time is going to prepare in one way versus someone who has no money but a bunch of time and they're both going to prepare different than somebody who has a ton of money and a ton of time or no money and no time right you can look at it as kind of a matrix obviously it's a spectrum and and there's you could fit anywhere on that spectrum but you think about the the guy uh, person, I think it was B, who lives in downtown Houston, right? He's got a ton of money. He has no time, or at least very little time, because he's working so much, right? That guy, if he wants to become resilient, is more likely to simply spend his way there. There's nothing wrong with that if you have that resource, right? But you're not gonna. That guy's not gonna sit and listen to like a hundred hours of DIY content on how to build a rain catchment system for water, right? He's going to pay more money uh, to have a system built for him, right? Whether that's, I mean, if he's in an apartment, it's probably not rain catchment. He's going to pay for some other type of system, right? And that's something that we can talk about. We'll talk about both of those options later on. Whereas, um, you know, maybe the the woman in the Midwest who's retired and has time on her hands, um, but she's living on social security income at this point, um, she can't afford to buy two years worth of freeze-dried food to live off of. Um, but she's got this knowledge of, um, you know, farming and ranching, like you mentioned. So she can start from that point and spend some time and less money to make that happen. So she is more likely to spend time learning, watching DIY content, listening to DIY content, um, reading, so that she can do those things herself. So I I do think just starting out deciding or figuring out what's your income. If you have a healthy income, do you have disposable income that you can set aside for this? Right. You mentioned the woman in the Philippines who did have some disposable income, right? But she also had a spouse who was not supportive necessarily of this whole resilience idea, and so um, that's another variable to mix in there. But. So so it comes down to, do you have money that you can spend? And are you in a situation where, where you can spend it with support? We are also not saying that you have to have money, right? If you don't have an income um, that will allow you some disposable money to spend on things, it just means that you're going to have to probably spend more time. Um, when you look at your time, you can say, okay, look, um, h- how much do I have? Can I open up more? Right? And this is the same with money. Can I move things around, change the budget, or change the way I spend my time to give myself more time? And we'll talk about, we'll do full episodes on this ways to open up some budget, maybe ways to open up some time to prioritize to make sure that we can. Because if you have no time and if you have no money, it is going to be difficult to become truly resilient. You can still make little steps, you can still do what you can do, what's within your control, right? Um, but it is important to, um, to prioritize and try and open up at least one of those.
0: Yeah. I think that's a really good way of saying that time and money are really like the, the biggest indicators of how you're going to prepare. Um, but there are others as well. So one of them that we pointed out by outlining these three different scenarios is location. I think of, for example, um, you know, as we get into energy and how you can be prepared to be able to heat your home um, if, if all of a sudden your typical power supply isn't there. And obviously there's so many ways that that can happen, right? Maybe it has to do with like having a nice generator, which would be an expensive purchase. Uh, or maybe it's just having some sort of a setup with firewood that you can burn. Um, maybe it's solar uh, that provides the heat. Maybe I mean, there's, there's so many different ways and we'll get into that when we get to the episode about that. But if you just take a step back and say, well, depending on your location, how much time or money you spend on that is going to be very different. The lady in the Philippines probably doesn't need to spend a whole lot of time thinking about how she can be prepared against like the bitter cold. Whereas the lady in the Midwest, yeah, there's probably more of a need there. Um, the guy in Houston, I mean, Houston doesn't usually get very cold, right? And so probably doesn't have to spend a lot of time or money. Then again, we saw the Texas freeze. And so it's, it's kind of an outlying situation that if he really wants to be prepared, he can think about, but again, location, um, just plays a huge part. And I think there's multiple facets to that. There's location in the sense of just like where you are, in the world, right, on the globe. Geographically. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But there's also location in terms of, like, how close you are to certain local resources.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The community type that you're in. Are you urban? Are you suburban? Are you rural? And, of course, again, that's a huge spectrum. It's not like you're one of the three, right? There's extremes on each end and everything in between. Absolutely. Yeah, well said. So, um, you know, you think about maybe everyone is preparing for the same thing. Let's call it um, extreme cold weather, Um, even though in the Philippines they're probably not. And in Texas it's going to be a very rare case where they are. But, for example, people in Texas, those who were not prepared for that, did suffer, right? And people died from exposure. People died from um, carbon monoxide poisoning because they weren't prepared in the right ways. But that is exactly what we're talking about here. How you prepare is going to be different. So um, even within Texas, for example, with that cold freeze, people who were in an apartment building would have prepared differently than someone who was in a home versus someone who was in a trailer, right? Your situation um, is going to change that. So someone in their own home who owns the home might have more flexibility when it comes to the types of preparation that they have available to them. Um, whereas someone in an apartment complex um, surrounded by neighbors or um, maybe like an HOA that determines what they can or can't do regarding things like solar or what you know? What types of heating elements they can use? If you are in the middle of an apartment, you're probably not um, going to have access to like a wood burning stove. So, it just it changes how you're going to prepare. Same thing. Um, maybe you're more mobile if you're a renter right? Versus if you're in a home, you have to protect that home. And so that's going to change how you're preparing as well. So again, an infinite number of different ways to look at these different variables and how they will affect what you prepare for, but make the profile about yourself, describe to yourself, write it down. What situation am I in with my home? Um, You know, am I urban, rural, suburban? Describe it. What type of structure do you live in? describe it, right? What flexibility do you have based on that? And then when you add in the other variables like your time and your money, how does that change the way that you, the options that you have in regards to preparing? We've used one specific example here, which is preparing for the cold, Um, but there are many of them. And we'll get into this specific part more deeply next week when we talk about threat modeling, right? Because that's where you're actually getting into the, the depth of determining what those threats are and how you prepare for them. But at least understanding today what your situation is, is going to help a ton when you start doing that threat modeling. Good. So if you're
0: listening at this point, you're probably like, okay, we get it. There's a lot of different factors. Right. right? A lot of things to consider. But um, just as, as we're kind of listing out what things you need to start considering in terms of variables, first starting with those variables of how you prepare. Let's just list them. So time. Time. Um, disposable income, wealth, which, right, you might not have much disposable income, but maybe you've got like less liquid assets. Uh, Maybe your situation uh, regarding wealth will have a, have a major impact on how you
1: choose to prepare. And just to go into that a little bit, some people might still be a little confused about why that matters, that difference, right? I could be, um, I could have just a moderate income, but I own my home right that gives me a huge amount of flexibility versus maybe that guy in Houston is paying $5000 a month for his apartment and he's renting it right he's got a high income but so much of that is going towards feeding um not his wealth but feeding someone else's wealth through rental or whatever um but it's this idea that o- owning that home gives you in this case way more flexibility than the renter except for maybe the renter has more flexibility and that they're more mobile they're not tied to a certain place so there's not necessarily one that's better than the other. It's just understanding that there is a difference.
0: Yeah, spot on. So yeah, that's why we've broken out disposable income, wealth. as two different categories. Um, geographical location, which we talked about. Community type, essentially urban, rural, suburban. Um, your starting point, that's one we haven't discussed yet. But where you're at in terms of your resilience right now. And
1: that's going to determine, you know, your next steps going forward. What resources do you have access to? What knowledge are you starting with? Maybe it's not directly tied to resilience, but those are still opportunities that you bring to the table when it comes to becoming resilient. Yeah.
0: Strengths, weaknesses, all of that coming into play. Um, Whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, that's going to determine how you prepare, especially from a community standpoint. Family size and who's dependent on you. who you you need to be able to support, who's in it with you. Like we mentioned in the scenario of the lady in the Philippines who her husband wasn't really supportive, that changes how she prepares. Whereas if you've got close family members or friends, or you've got a network already that is willing to support you in these efforts, that
1: will obviously impact the way that you prepare. And not just a little, you know, you think about the difference of a husband and wife who are on completely different pages You know, if one spouse just doesn't care, they're not going to be willing to sacrifice if one spouse, there are certain things they want to sacrifice, the time, the money, the resources, the lifestyle, right? Whereas if you are both on the same page, you're going to have much more opportunity to do the things that you want to do. Um, Again, that's not to say that if you're not on the same page, all hope is lost, but it's going to change how you prepare.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Then the last category that we've listed for these variables of how you prepare is health. And we kind of touched on that with our different scenarios, right? Different levels of health. But that I think it goes without saying that that's going to play a major part in what you're able to do.
1: Yep, well said. With that, let's skip over to the other category, which again has a lot of overlapping variables. But it's what you prepare for. And this gets more to the threat modeling side of things. Not so much about the way that we're going to prepare, but the different things that are going to change what threats lie in our way. So, and here, some of the
0: variables have crossover. So, for example, geographic location. um,
1: The difference here being geographic location determining how you prepare versus what you prepare for. You mentioned like cold, you know, we're talking about climate and things like that. That's what you're preparing for how you're preparing is going to be the resources that are available to you based on being in that location. Exactly.
0: So you can see how, how you prepare and what you prepare for geographic location comes into play in both of those uh, cases. Also with community type, you're going to see the same thing. Um, One of these categories is age, kind of what age bracket do you fit into? That will play a big part in what you prepare for, for a few reasons. For example, um, if you subscribe to the idea that we're headed towards societal collapse, um, but that's kind of a gradual process that's going to take decades. So, I mean, if you're like in your twenties, you're going to see us much further down that path than somebody who's several decades older than you. Uh, that's just one example, right? Th- there's other things that come into play, how old you are often impacts like your family situation what you need to prepare for there. Uh, usually your income, your wealth, like all these other factors play a part in that one category, that one demographic, like what age category you fit into gender that plays a part in what you prepare for health. Like, do you have any chronic health conditions that are, you know, going to worsen over time? Do you have like medications that you rely on um and if all of a sudden you didn't have those you'd be in a really tough spot
1: if you need to be mobile quickly can you be um who do you rely on to help you in your med- you know in your health situation all those types of things yeah family
0: size is a big one and i think of that in relation to like who's on board with you um we talk about if you've got a larger family you've got many more people to support but on the how you prepare side it also means You've got all these people that can help you, right? If you're, let's say you're a family of seven. It's free labor. Yeah. Like you're going to all can fruit together or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also at what you prepare for um, and considering the age of each of your family members, I think of like, if, if an emergency happened and my young kids Uh, I would need to be prepared for something totally different than somebody who doesn't have young kids at home. Community ties. We touched on this one with our different scenarios, but, uh, for example, religious groups, if you're a part of a a religious group, um, that determines both how you prepare, what you prepare for, um, volunteer communities. If you're a part of that, maybe political groups. Um, I mean, your political affiliation, depending on where you live in the world, uh, can present certain risks in, in what you need to be, what you need to be prepared for. And you could say the same for, you know, what religious group you belong to, uh, depending on how the larger community views that group, which ties really closely into another one, which is minority status.
1: Huge. It's a, that's a huge deal. Um, like you said, it ties right in because if if you're in a religious group, for example, that's small or persecuted in an area, right, amongst a much larger group, um, you have to be aware of that. But there are so many more crucial minority status types, right? Race, gender, um, sexuality, ethnicity, there's so many things that tie in there. Minorities become targets, right? They become scapegoats. And I think so often in history, we've seen that happen. And so taking that into consideration, understanding who you are, if you fall into a a minority group or minority status in your area, that is something that's really important to take into account and will change what you should be preparing for. Yeah, and you can see as we're talking through
0: all of this, how this will, will be a great segue into our next episode on threat modeling. But when I think of minority status, just here in the U.S., I think back to the last couple of years and like all of the marches in the streets and the black lives matter protests, um, you know, social issues, police brutality. Like if you're a, a racial minority, then it was, it was a very scary time. And there continue to be risks there. I think about what we're seeing right now. Um, I know people that I associate with that are in the LGBT community uh, are kind of high alarm right now. Uh, There are certain risks there because of like the political situation and just the larger social situation. So that minority status plays a, a
1: major part in how you prepare and what you prepare for. Yeah, when you consider that, that they're in alert mode now, and then think about what things will be like as the US, the world, wherever you live, kind of goes further into collapse or political upheaval, um, fascism, whatever it is, there is, um, there is plenty to, to be aware of and to think about if, um, if you fall into one of those categories.
0: Great. And so the last couple that we've listed here that I'll mention, one of them is just your end goal. And that's really the blueprint for all of it, right? But when you think about each of the pillars that we've talked about, um, you might have different end goals that relate to each one, um, different end goals that are very directly tied to your specific situation. And obviously that will determine what you prepare for.
1: Yeah. When we talk about our, our desired outcome, right that's the whole the first step of the entire framework your desired outcome is 100% going to change how you're preparing and what you're preparing for um yeah so it's it's crucial to have that clear in your mind um and it should be i think self explanatory right self revealing how that's going to change how you'll prepare yeah and then
0: just your interests and and maybe you could tie in with that your skill set right? What you come to the table with in terms of just what drives you. And, uh, there might be certain aspects of resilience that you are really drawn to and others that you're not some that you are naturally skilled at and others that you have to work at. And so how you prepare, what you prepare for that all comes into play with those variables as well.
1: Okay. Okay. That's the show this week. I think, like you said, it sets us up great for next week to dive deeper into threat modeling, what it means to actually take this information and say, okay, now what, right? What's the next step? So we'll go deeper into that. Um, we've got just a couple episodes left here of going through the framework, and then uh, we'll dive, start diving in. I'm excited for it. Let's do it.